Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. And join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald. I do the real I do the real answers part. You had to get that in so yeah. quick. Yeah. You're so happy about that. Yeah. That's Glenn Fitzgerald. He's the president of Mission USA. And when he's got a joke, he's not going to make the people wait. Absolutely. <laughs> he's going to get in there. Also yeah. joining us, Jed Brew, director of Mission USA Productions. I ask questions, but not good ones. Right. You know how they say there's no such thing as stupid questions? Yeah. That's what I ask. You test that oh. theory? Yeah, exactly right. right. Yeah. Sure. Do, do things fall down or up? Exactly right. Sure. Yeah. Could God make a microwave burrito so hot even he couldn't eat it? That right. Kind of real question I was asked in the Young Life Bible study. <laughs> do turnips feel wistful? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Point made, Mr. Brewer. There are such things as dumb questions. Please stop. I also joined this one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Greetings, everyone. But there was so much nonsense at the top. Lee felt the need to counterbalance it. That was the right move. Actually being professional, and I enjoyed that. Well, speaking of nonsense that must be counterbalanced, I bring to us an emergency of opportunity. Wow. I preempt your emergency with a a pre-emergency emergency. Okay. Just want to get this in there. Uh, it's true. Last time we recorded the podcast, uh, Matt wasn't feeling very well. He's low on. He had a little bit of a that is true cold. Whatever. Right. This week feeling better. I'm a little disappointed off that because I thought we had a chance to go viral. Ah, sure. So it's good. It's good. Are these going to keep up throughout the episode? Just no, no, I was just saying. Uh, you know, I yeah. thought we could go viral. Sure, sure. We, sure that's we, very we've good. done a whole bit on that before. Was I sick when we did the bit? Entirely possible. That would be why I don't remember. <laughs> the NyQuil <laughs> took it from you? Yes. Well, uh, that... On that uh, basis, I declare a preemptive emergency off. Okay, preemptive okay. emergency. Back <laughs> to your regularly scheduled emergency. <laughs> back, to, back, back to the initial interruption before the interruption was interrupted. We have, we had came in, well, on the previous episode, we answered a question from a good friend of the show, Brad Warren. Uh, but there was not only Ooh. a question about email, there was a link. Ooh. And Brad uh, has asked for the, the judgment of the Say That Council on okay, something. Okay. Um, he sent us a link, and the joke and the, the question was, is this goofy enough for me to make fun of it? Okay. In my spirit, in my heart. Right. And um, we, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the previous say. We landed on, we're not really sure. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. There's a thing called the Actors eight AMTC. It's a 501c3. AMTC right. stands for Actors, Models, and Talents for Christ. Mm. Mm. Well then, so they're apparently a uh, like a an agency, talent agency, but particularly uh, for Christian stuff and people. Right. Hashtag making good bolder. I don't okay. know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. That's I have no idea what that is. So there's a lot going on, and they've got uh, they've got um, you know some some people on the website. It's a, it's a fairly a, a decently successful agency, which is good. We don't want to make fun of. Uh, people who are doing their best and having a hard time. Right. That's always that's always mean. That's why we, we stick to your, your... We only make fun of the Christian movies that make a, a way more money than they should. Yeah. Right. Which is all of them. But, you know, right. if it was, you know, here's a little church in Arkansas made a made their nativity movie, we're not going to make fun of that. That's this, right. This is mean. That's right. And it doesn't make us uh, really super confused and angry as why right. they got a lot of money for this movie, because they didn't. Right, right. So uh, the AMTC has a uh, list of people... Who are like alumni, 
Right. That's a long list. And I got people who went on network TV and okay. movies you've heard of. They've also got some people who are um, most famous for wearing uh, bikinis in Michael Bay movies. Sure. I'm not going to say any names, right. but so it seems weird. I'm not 100% sure how that's for Christ. Right. It's a bit odd, but whatever. I, I was a little thrown by the modeling part of the Yeah, modeling for Christ. for Christ seems odd. Because it's like, uh, do, do you wear like a, a, a slanky gown? But it's got a fish on it. It's got a fish on it. <laughs> and you got, like you're holding a Bible. Zachariah. Well, it's, it's one like, of those. It's like a, a, a curly Q font at the top, Bible leak. Yeah, Bible leak. Something good. like that. Yeah, so, well, I, I assume there's a Zondervan catalog. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. Like all their all their wares in it, your hot new Bible covers and whatnot. Yeah, Somebody, I guess somebody's got a model. Choir robes. That. Yeah. Choir robes, exactly. Yeah. This and this brings us to a side emergency rantlet of there was someone who, uh, not in their smartest move, it was a very, brand new uh, clergy member who was, came to the bridge, talked to Lynn about something off the side, and wore his clerical collar, which led to uh, the three of us looking up, can you just go to the Christian bookstore and buy vestments? <laughs> Which you can, by the way, if you've ever yeah. wondered. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to have a license or anything. And then just show up at this guy's office just in the sure. full robe. Sure. Yeah, bang, bang. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, so uh, that goes through our credentials. We're not above making fun of Christian stuff. Oh, definitely not. So, definitely. with the AMTC, eh, it's weird. Right. But here's the thing. So make fun of it if you want. It's not necessarily there were better people than making fun of it, right. is that we couldn't really come up with any good jokes. Yeah. Right. But what we could come up with is ideas. That's right. Right. Because here's the thing, as I mentioned, this uh, model, Actors, Models, and Talents for Christ is apparently, and we can't figure out in any way, shape, or form how this works, a 501c3 nonprofit. Right. Which is the same kind of nonprofit that Mission USA, which uh, his mission statement is to help... Uh, Addicts and returning uh, people getting out of jail uh, and people getting out of gangs, right, connecting right, to the church. Right. Um, same 501c3 is like uh, our friends who and who run homeless shelters. Yeah, right. they're 501c3s. If your your church is a nonprofit, it's probably this kind. And so is the the modeling for Christ agency. Yes, right. And we assume that's because they took a normal thing that is super for profit. Um, talent agents will not be shy about that. Yes, right. they yeah. are really in it for the profit. Yeah, but then they added a little bit of Jesusy stuff to it. So then they could not. Apparently, there's a tax dodge there, and we like a good dodge. We really do. We love a racket. Yeah. We love a racket in this podcast. So what we're trying to brainstorm is how can we get in on this? Yeah. Now there maybe we can get on the talent side. Who knows? But also on the we got a business. It's just a business, but we sprinkle just enough Jesus on there. Okay. Right, to right. get around the taxes. Okay. Right. 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 Well, I'd like to tackle the the talent. Please do. Sorry that if I, if I might. Because uh, there's people out there with talent. There sure. definitely are. Now, the problem is they don't think that they got a talent that's marketable and could be for Jesus. Okay. You know what? You let us worry about that. Sure, absolutely. Don't worry your pretty little head. I'm going to make you a star, baby. <laughs> you want to be a star, don't you? I'm going to put you in motion pictures. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's say you tap dance. How do I tap dance for Jesus? You let us do the worrying. Absolutely. We put a Bible in your hand or whatever. You're holding a sparkler in one hand. You're holding a Bible in the other. You tap dance around, and, you know, we got a Christian song playing in the background. Boom. Jesusified. That's right. So, you know, people wanted to pay money for that. Yeah. Even just to see where the sparklers accidentally set the outfit on fire, and then, you know, then you got a show. <laughs> so... 
you know, we, there's a lot going on. People have uh, 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 talents. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Liturgical uh, tap dance is right. a thing. Like, a, yeah, it is. It's a thing. Like, for example, like, you know, when you're gassing up your, your car? Yeah. And you're paying cash for it. You want to buy $20 worth of gas. And it's really hard to hit the exact, and you're squeezing the pump, squeeze, squeeze, right. squeeze. They get it right at twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah. If you could do that, boom! Like every time, boom! You're hitting right at twenty dollars. Yeah. Give us a call. Okay, pump squeezers for Christ. That's yeah. I have to work on the name. Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it liturgical pump squeezing? You uh, may have to work on the name. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, yeah. But but just I'm saying. You got you got a skill. You see, let me we, try again. Yeah, is it evangelical pump squeezing? That's you're not. <laughs> there's a part that's like it's not that part. All right, so, moving on, <laughs> moving on. But see, that people think I can't I, believe people listen to this show. Me neither. Either. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes you, you you think you got a talent. You're not sure. Hey, is this? Is it, would anybody care about it? You know what? We care. Yeah. Sure. So we believe in you. We want to grow your talent. That's right. And profit off it. Yes. That, that's that's the but whole. not in a way we pay taxes on. Exploit is such an ugly word, and, and I don't accurate. even know who brought it up. Right. Right. But uh, say that, for example, your whole thing is you like to bake cookies, but you only like to bake cookies cookies for podcasts. Sure. Well, okay. Give us a call. Cookies for podcasts for Christ. Sure. That's boom. <laughs> Yes. Sells itself. Yes. So right, give us money and, and cookies. Cookies, and we don't pay taxes. <laughs> that is the most talent agent thing I have ever heard. Right. We get how how did TLC end up with only ten points on that album? This is how. Yeah, that's right. Turns out certain people get to write those. I think it's great. I yep. think talent. We got we got, we got the people out there who are talented. Feel free to contact us. Um, but here, I'd love to shift in. Do we have any ideas for? It's an industry. It's just an industry. There's nothing Jesusy about right, it. Right. But we're going to toss for Jesus on there. Right. And we're going to save some of that sweet, sweet tax money. Okay. Foundry, but for Jesus. Oh, that's yep. good. It's yes. like we we can we can put like a Bible verse in the steel or something. Yeah, smelting for Christ. There you go. Smelting yeah, for Christ. very good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very good. There's a there's a whole Bible verse about that and iron and whatnot. Well, I think a, a lot of metallurgy is going to work that, here. See, you're you're joking, but of course we've we've got a smelting guy. Sure. We actually do, and we've got no jobs for our for our guys in right. there. Yeah, and but because he's he doesn't have vision. Still paying the taxes, he's a he that's right. Like a chump. There you go. You gotta you gotta switch it up. See, we're gonna exploit that uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Similar similar thing, but I like the the wordplay here in that this could almost sound like a ministry. Yeah, galvanizing for Christ. Nice. Okay. See, the, galvanizing that's the, the community. That's yeah. in your mission statement. Yeah. You work a little work there. Yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. think that's got potential right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if we, you know, if, let's say you're you're uh, you want to open a shoe store. Something like that, and you just want to kind of get around those pesky uh, taxes. You could just call it, you know, walking with the Lord. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's good. You know, um, we could have. You could, you know, if you're a you're you're a hairstylist, barber, something like that. You know, cutting out sin. That's uh, you very, know, it, good. very good. It, it you know it, it could really work with anything. I mean, if you run like a you know a, a batting cage or you know one of those kind of like putt putt uh, go kart. You know, kind of like, you know, the Apostle Paul's eyes on the prize, putt-putt golf and games. 
Yes. Well, it it yes, could be a mouthful. Very good. It's fine. It's very good. Right, yeah, no. I like this a lot. I got one. Okay. I got I think we're gonna like it. Hit me. Right. The store up treasures investment bake ministry incorporated there you right go. okay unfortunately we also have one of those in chicago it's <laughs> under very serious <laughs> indictment but okay well, you know well at, at that you don't you don't want to sign up for a moth ira oh that's very good a moth will destroy that's yeah, very yeah, good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of good stuff here the, no i think that could really work i like the idea of I think the idea is in the name, right? So you got, yeah, right. and Glenn knows this. He's registered five one two three. You got to submit a lot of paperwork. Yep. Got the name on it, the mission statement, yep. and what all that. So yeah, I think uh, I like I, to kind of dovetail with Lee's idea of, of a shoe store because there's a lot of money apparently to be made in these manicure pedicure places. You sure. see them everywhere, particularly in Chicago. And um, how beautiful the feet! Yeah, it's very good. Nice. Right. Yeah, the you you go to the hair salon. It's sheer heaven. Absolutely, yeah, good, absolutely. <laughs> now, of course, there are some that you, where you could try to pull this off, and you would uh, mess yourself up because the the naming convention would kind of confuse you. So, if we go back right. to the metallurgy, it's great smelting. If you did Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego smelting, that would be insensitive, right? Yeah. Right, 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 to right, that right. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, here's what I I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind. Israelite now. desert guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I'm going to blow your minds down. Do it. Because I'm combining these two ideas. Talents that people don't think are very Jesus-y. No, they're not ministerial. Yeah, they're, yeah. And then they then you have, take something that's not Jesus-y, boom, call it Jesus-y. Done you, so. you know. Here's what I'm saying. Let's say, for example, we got a person out there, maybe it's a young person, that when it comes to popping pimples. Yeah. Is the best. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Some people just, they're in there, bam. Done. Popped. Yes. And sometimes they got a friend. You know what? I got a problem. Yeah. I can't pop this pimple. Help me out. Help me out. That friend gets in there, boom. Done. Pop that pimple. Yeah. Okay? Well, here's the thing. Normally you think, I got to go to dermatology school or whatever. No, no. That's to be like licensed and bonded and uh, That's whatever. for chumps. That's for chumps. This is a nonprofit pimple popping. Okay. For Jesus. Okay. Nice. Like do you, do you have a name? I well I, I I submit it to the to the to the uh, board here. Okay. Uh, but I think w- and and just as you're formulating it, I'm thinking of a van, panel van. You roll up, you open it. Hey, you look like Mobile. you got pimples. Sure. We got to pop your pimple. Guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. You know, that's well, it. You drive away, you know? it, yeah. it's a little long. It's a little unwieldy. It's a little King Jamesy. Okay. But the Hit man me. with the skin condition, Mobile Van Ministry Incorporated International. Wow. Well, yeah, it, yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. You know, that's uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's exactly like you have a, a, a disease and then like a leprosy type mm. of thing. And we 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 uh, lay hands on you. Yes, it's, that's Jesusy. It's sure, super absolutely. Jesusy. Popping pimples for Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I think that's very good. I I, I want to. I'll close this out. I will take us right back to the town Nancy idea, and I'm, it's almost there. Maybe we can. Um, I like the idea. I think we we open the talent agency. Yeah. I think we have to call it the parable of the talents. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good. That's it. We, we're not going to do any better than yeah, that. Yeah, we're still on that. In that case, I declare opportunity and emergency off. Very good. Yeah, so obviously we're gonna need to rent a van. We're gonna need to. We're gonna need a pretty robust legal team. Yeah, for, for when 
uh, Glenn's idea of uh, just basically jumping out. And uh, I imagine it will be it jump out, pull you into the van, pop your pimples, and then say, that'll be thirty nine ninety five, please. That's right. And it's going to take a while for people to get used to that business model. It's going to be yeah. a little bumpy at the beginning. Uh, so we're going to need to raise some capital for that. Obviously, uh, we're going to need Bridgebox, our friends on Bridgebox, to help out with that. Uh, for now, we'll, we'll just with the, you know, the part-time employees to help out the ministry or practice the ministry. Yeah, uh, yeah. A couple we- uh, last week as we recorded this, one of our deacons uh, preached for the first time. Mm-hmm. She did. She did a great job. It was fantastic. She may have um, done a slightly better job than the megachurch guy who went after her, and that made him sad. Um, and that made us happy. Yeah, so the deacons program is really working out for right. us, and we're that's able right. to do that because of the very generous folks who signed up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox to give $8 a month and get cool stuff for themselves. You can head on over that address, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, and check out what that's all about. Get some free goodies for yourself, even if you don't sign up. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. This question comes in to our email address, and it says, My sophomore year of college was rough. I got depressed and felt removed from God and Jesus. I spent this past semester abroad and started feeling a lot better emotionally, but then I started drinking and partying while I was abroad. Now I just feel guilty and more distant from God than I ever have before. How do I deal with the guilt and start my way back towards God? And Chen, why start us off on this one? Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry for the difficult times. I'm really glad that you wrote into us. I have a theory I'd like for you to think about. Um, in Let's start here. Let's remove all notions of sin from the equation, just for a second. And let's certainly remove all notions of guilt from the equation for a second. You went abroad and you felt better. Yes, there was drinking and partying. Let's not worry about that for a second. I have a suspicion that you felt better because you were having adventures and doing fun things. You were making new friends. You were seeing new sights. You were out and about. You were experiencing life. You were taking it all in. You were, it was, it was amazing. And you were doing things. You were living life and life was a great big adventure. And on that basis, you actually were feeling pretty good. I have a suspicion that's true. Were you drinking and partying? Sure, but I don't know that that had anything to do with the fact that you were feeling better. I think you were just having adventures, and you were out living your life and you know taking a hold of things and trying new things, and that was really fun and really cool and really exciting. Now, you've gotten back to the States, and you here's what I wonder is, are you still having any adventures? Mm. Or have we gotten into, well, now life is about going to class and going to the Bible study that I'm not really crazy about and trying to force myself to have a devotional time every morning that I don't really want to do. And I'm not, I'm not really pulling off most of what I think I'm supposed to. And I'm not really doing anything that I want to be doing, which is actually what most Christians in college do is, is live right. that life I just described. That, that's a depressing life. Right. Let's let's leave sin completely out of it for a second. A life that is filled with no adventure and all things you don't really want to do is a depressing life. There there is no way around that. I think there's two things. If any of that resonates with you as you hear me describe it, I think there's two things I want to describe to you. The first is um God is not jealous of you having adventures. One of the popular conceptions, to be really honest, that we as a culture have of God is he's like that really boring roommate that never goes out, never has anybody over, never does anything fun, but super jealous of whenever you do that. And really, <laughs> right. oh, oh, where are you going? Right. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Chili's. Oh, that's okay, that's good. Okay. That's, uh, I'll, I'll just be here, but that's that's nice for you, though. That's... I like I like ramen noodles anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's... 
that's not how God is. That's, that's thing number one. Let's talk about how God actually is. The Bible is clear. God wants to go on adventures with you. God wants to God wants to lead you on an incredible adventure. In fact, I think it's worth saying if we don't feel any sense of adventure in our lives as Christians, I think we're missing something. I think yeah. we're doing something yeah. wrong. Yeah. God wants to lead you on an adventure in your life. God wants to lead you out into wide open spaces where you're in over your head and you're having fun but you're also a little scared because it's kind of crazy and out of control in a good way. I think God wants that for you more than anything. I think the holdup in in your life is not the fact that you drank and partied. Everybody's drank and partied. Forget about that. I think the holdup is trying to live a boring life with an exciting Savior. That's not going to work. God wants to give you an exciting, fulfilling, amazing life. If you can dig it, he wants to give you a life that will put your semester in Europe to shame. He wants to give you a life that day in and day out is more cool and more exciting than seeing the Eiffel Tower. The thing I want to challenge you on is what stands in the way of you letting God give you that kind of life? Why wouldn't you let him do that? I think if we can start talking to him about the reasons we wouldn't be open to receiving that from him, we can really get going and moving forward into the next phase of our walk with the Lord. That's a really, really strong place to start this out. And that I think Jed totally broke down the uh, the reason that this isn't a huge thing to be guilty about, which is an important part of where to start this thought process. As Jed has uh, said many times in uh, on the show and in counseling situations that he shared with me, um, sin makes sense. That's why it doesn't really make that that much fun to be guilty about uh, sin. You know, say you were depressed, you were feeling bad, you're in a rut, you went abroad, you started feeling better. You were in a place that probably has different uh, drinking age and view towards alcohol, so right. every part of this makes sense. It doesn't make it good. It obviously didn't work, so it was something different, but guilt really germinates in that idea of, I can't believe I did that, mm. uh, especially for us in Chicago. I know it's the same for Lee doing uh, work with kids. So many counseling situations start out with, like, I can believe you did that. Yeah. That's what I would have done. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. How, how is that not the thing to do? That's what right. everybody does in that situation. Right. So, right. And that you can really see, you can, sometimes when you say it to someone, you can see the guilt come off their shoulders in that way. Mm. And so yeah, I'd love to get you transition into, so let's look at the road back, which I think um, if you don't have, if you work at what Jed's talking about and the thought process that will get us out of the guilt, then the road back is super clear and pretty simple. It may not be easy. I mean, there's stuff to do. But when we... If that starts getting complicated, that probably means that guilt's leaking back in there, and that's probably what we yeah. want to guard against, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, as Jed said before, you know, the, the, the whole idea of, I went out there for a while, I'm having all these adventures, and then, you know, I started out with some sneaky drinking, and then it just, you know, kind of escalated out, kind of spun out, you know, the drinking and the partying and the whole, the whole deal. And Jed's saying, everybody's doing that. That's, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And, and, and to that point, uh, one of the things that, that you need to know is you're not alone in this. Yeah. I mean, we have all fallen off. Uh, we have all found ourselves kind of, you know, having come to our senses. There's a reason why the, the Lord told stories the way that he did to show us, hey, this is your experience is common to mankind. Yeah. Um, but here's the problem is that the way it feels is the way it feels is not only I'm the, you know, I'm the only person that's d- ever done this. I can't believe I've done this. It doesn't just feel that way, but it feels like now that I've recognized my, this about myself, 
it feels like the way back to Jesus is a thousand miles away. Mm. You know, it feels mm. like I did this over in Europe. And so the way back to Jesus is as far as if I were to walk back to Europe. That's the way it feels. The thing that's so cool about the love of Jesus is that not only did you never surprise him in this whole thing, not only did he know this was going to happen, but knowing this was going to happen, you're the person he wanted the whole time. You're the person he came for. There's a verse in the Old Testament that I love. I think it's one of the coolest, most beautiful verses about the heart of God and um, the, the, the kind of grace that God has. It's actually way back in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 33, verse 27. It says, underneath are the everlasting arms. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time because it's super cool. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, underneath are the everlasting arms. And here's what that means for you. No matter how far you fall off, no matter how far down you go, and every single person on this podcast can, can bear witness and tell you this is exactly true. And I promise you, some people that are listening to this right now are nodding their heads because they've experienced, no matter how far down you go, one of the things that you'll find out is the everlasting arms are down there deeper. Yes. Jesus is down there waiting on you. This is the cool thing about his heart is as soon as you decide, I'm ready to leave something behind, as soon as you decide that, he's right there. It's yep. not a thousand miles back to him. It's mm-hmm. right now. He's immediately yeah. with you. He's underneath wherever you are. He's he's dealt with dudes who are, you know, who who have done much worse than any of us, and he he has dealt with some bad dudes, and he can deal with this. He can deal with you. He wants to start immediately. That's the that's the cool thing, the beautiful thing about where you are. He he said. Anybody that uh, hears, uh, hears my words and believes him who sent me has everlasting life, has already crossed over from death into life, will not be judged. He said, that's the way I see you. I'm not going to judge you, ever. I've got unlimited patience. I'm not going to judge you. Let's start right now today. You get to leave it all behind. Jesus paid for the guilt. He's underneath where you are. You get to start right now. All you have to do is just call out to him. He's right there. Amen. Amen. That's absolutely right. Glenn, I'd love to get you close out on this. And I think even uh, as we grow in a way of recognizing the guilt is not particularly helpful, I think it's easy for us to read its presence as indicative of something. Yeah. If I feel guilty, that must mean something went wrong. Right. And I think maybe one of the things we need to let go of here is the idea that guilt has a place in the conversation at all. Right. But what would that look like? Well, Absolutely right. I I think if you looked at how you were doing before Europe, depressed and felt, as you said, removed from God, you go to Europe, have a good time, you come back, you say, uh, you know, and now how do I deal with the guilt and start my way back towards God? Here's my question. Were you doing well before Mm. in your walk with God? Was that a pretty good Christianity that you was Christianing up for yourself. Hmm. Uh, because uh, I don't think you were. If you were depressed and feeling guilty all the time, uh, I don't think you were doing it very good. <laughs> Something's mm. not working. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah, there's, you're, you don't have it hooked up right, my man. Uh, I, think, uh, and I think you're depressed because you're thinking about, I got to go back to the guilt thing. And that was kind of miserable, but at least I knew, as as Matt is saying, at least I knew I was heading in the right direction because I felt 
felt terrible about myself. <laughs> like Jesus wants. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm with Jed. I, I think God probably wants your life to look a lot more like Europe, but just to where you talk to him more. Yeah. And, you know, instead of, uh, 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 you know, drinking to blot out the depression, maybe just let him take it away from you. I mean, I, that's something you peel away by layers, but uh, you were willing to uh, uh, do the alcohol thing over a series of uh, weeks and months. So, it's, you know, it's the same same diff. But I think here's the thing is uh, I, I, a, a Christian life that is riddled with guilt is not a good one. You are not good at being a Christian. You're not Christianing up a great Christianity for yourself there. You're not, you're not taking it to the limit. You're not doing well. It's unhealthy. It's it's got a sickness in it, and, and guilt is that that sickness. And I I I think most people f- live their Christianity that way. Bless your heart, because you don't know or couldn't even imagine a positive, godly life that was also guilt free. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I was guilt free, I would walk around doing whatever I wanted to do, like I did in Europe. I'd just be drinking all day, every day. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing is you'd figure out eventually, well, that wasn't, that's just not that much to that. Yep. I mean, you know, and you chase all the pleasures of the world and try and investigate which one of them had a lot of pleasure to them. You'd find out as some of us on the podcast to figure out there's not a lot there. Nope. And then it's like, uh, I, I had the good thing back at the beginning here. I, I need to go back to God, uh, but without all this guilt. What you're, uh, what you're doing is instead of receiving a conviction from the Holy Spirit, you're receiving guilt. Now, how are guilt mm. and conviction different? Conviction is always positive, always. Uh, conviction is always saying, you're better than this. You're smarter than this. You have, a, you, have more, you have more to offer the world than what you're doing now. Why are you limiting yourself? Why are you mm. living so small? Why... Why are you only considering these possibilities and not giving yourself a chance at a bigger life, a wider existence? Uh, conviction is always positive in that way. It's always calling us to our higher self to, to as Jed is saying, a bigger adventure, a, a, a broader, more colorful existence. If your guilt always does the opposite of that, it makes our world smaller. It's saying you are not good, you are not worthy. You, you, you need to be your better self, and you're not. Look at you, you little filthy worm. So uh, guilt and conviction have zero overlap. They go in opposite directions. They affect our life in opposite ways. The guilt itself is a sin. And mm. in a funny way, I would really have you look at the European uh, experience as I got away from the, 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 thing, guilt. the guilt that was, that was crippling my walk I want you to go back to God without the guilt, and as, 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 as exactly as Jed is saying, I think you're going to find a lot more adventure and more fun in that than you you did uh, in in Europe because you you have none of the guilt plus the God part, and that's Amen. that's what we want for you. Absolutely right. I think one of the things we're looking at here is there's a, a simple cause and effect that people often misread. One is so we talk about. And again, as we've all been there, kind of depressed and felt removed from God. I think that's a very important point in this. I think we all, people have a sense of feeling that I do bad things, therefore I feel guilty, therefore I feel removed from God. When the bad things don't have to be in that 
don't have anything really to do with that equation at all. Yep. As we're pointing out, I, there are certain uh, emotional and maybe mental blocks that I have that are keeping me from going to God. Because, you know, if you read the prodigal son story, um, the, the, if there's distance between you and God, as we pointed out, you're the one who created it. God right. is by his very nature constant. Right. He right. is not moving That's right. on that. If, you, if there's distance, it's because you created it. Not in that you did bad things, but in that you did not close that gap intentionally. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good news because you can turn around and start walking uh, towards God, and He will meet you far more than halfway. Again, so right. you know from Prodigal and Son story. But I think that idea of okay, well, I feel guilt separation because of naughty things, so I've got to address naughty things before I address guilt and separation because that's how the chain works. Mm-hmm. But we can actually cut that out altogether. You can. Right. We've seen we've seen people and been, uh, for some of us been people who've grown uh, who for whom. A lot of growth in the Lord has started with, I'm just going to talk to God about all the bad stuff I'm doing and all the bad thoughts I'm having and bad feelings I'm feeling, and we'll see where that goes. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that closes the difference, and as Glenn has often mentioned on the show and on his blog, it's very popular, Mm. um, if you do that part, the the naughty behaviors will tend to take care of themselves. Right. Right. Now there are some, you know, you say, oh, I went off and started partying. Yes, if you have a history of alcoholism in your family, that's not going to take care of itself. Right. That's a thing we got to counseling and we got to look at that. But that's all doable. What I'm saying is this idea of I have to deal with behaviors before I can deal with the emotional fallout of said behaviors is not really the way this whole Christianity thing works. You can work on that end result relationship first and then let that chain reaction backwards into all this other stuff. And that's really what these guys are giving you some very good advice to point you towards. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. We got a few questions that came in over the last couple weeks on the same general topic. And I want to synthesize them a little bit. We'll talk about this idea here. So, um, if I can put these together, we talk a lot on the show, and actually Glenn uh, straight up mentioned on the last show, the, find a mentor, have a good relationship with a mentor. That has been uh, huge for all of us in our lives. We talk about mm-hmm. it a lot. We're a bit of a broken record on that one because, again, there are some things that in all of Christendom you're only hearing on this show, mm-hmm. so we're not worried about repeating them. The thing about that, however, is um, we obviously, uh, and for good reason, have very positive views of the mentor relationship Sure. to the point where it's entirely possible. I'm going I'm to point the finger at myself here as the person who kind of runs the conversation of the show, I think sometimes we, uh, we have possibly painted the picture that a hundred percent of the time you sit down with someone and say, I'd like some mentoring, please. Then the, the life changing awesomeness kicks off. Yeah. Right. 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 If you pick a good person and they know what they're doing and you're willing to be teachable, then by itself, this whole thing is just going to go, which it, that's actually not true. So we had a couple, again, from a couple of angles. And what I'd like to look at is, how do we react when something in a mentoring relationship disappoints us? Mm-hmm. That could be, and that could be, uh, again, in things we, we have talked about a very specific angle of, we, we often mention, you know, if it's not, if you go to a church and you can't get, um, it, you can't schedule an hour of pastor's time, push on and find a new church. That's not the dude you need. Right. But what happens if, you know, his kid got sick and he bumped a thing and then right. it was Easter. So he's mm-hmm. getting that whole thing ready. So, he, I couldn't get an appointment with him for a month, but is that really the same as I couldn't even get his phone number? So there's some gray areas there mm-hmm, I'd like us to, mm-hmm. to fill in a little bit. Or, yeah, as you're saying, you know, I, it's a guy who really knew a lot about this, but I sat down with him and it was, you know, whatever it was. I, I sat down thinking it was a an urban ministry guy and he'd really done a little more prison ministry. So is that... Mm. 
Is there enough carryover there? Do I have to find someone who's done church planting in this city for this denomination? That kind of mm-hmm. very specific. So, but what do we do? How do we a deal with those emotions? Because that's a disappointing thing, and we can deal mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and evaluate: Is this something we want to keep continuing with this person? Do we need to move on? What do we look for when, if we do need to move on? So, all and anything else you guys want to throw in there? Because there's a lot of good experience around the table here. But under that heading of how do we deal and move forward when we get disappointed with what a mentoring relationship is giving us. And Lee, I'd love to kick off with you. Absolutely. Um, well, I would say, first of all, um, the idea that you're going to crank up a mentoring relationship and it is going to be all sunshine and roses for the rest of your life is an utter fantasy. And the, the, the quicker that you kind of divest yourself of that expectation, the better. And the reason I say that is that every experience that I've had, either, uh, uh, you know, I've had experiences where I've had, uh, you know, older dudes who have been walking with the Lord for a lot longer time uh, working with me. And I've had a lot of people who are, you know, younger than me or, uh, you know, who have come to me for help that I've worked with. And in all of those situations where it's been a long-term relationship, there have been disappointments, misunderstandings, um, at times uh, hurt feelings, you know, s- sometimes uh, conflict, difficult conversations, stuff like that. And there's a very simple reason for that, and this is extremely important. You are both sinners. Yep. Um, and that that is something that is critical to understand. Not only are you a sinner, which you understand because you're looking for some help, but the dude that you're going to, even if he's a guru in the thing that you're trying to learn, whether that's some aspect of ministry or something like that, or just a general thing in life, and this guy's got a good reputation, and you you have a lot of respect for him or whatever, um, or you've got a lot of respect for her or whatever the situation is, that person is still a sinner. That person is still a person who can get sick. That person is still a person who can put their foot in their mouth. They can say the wrong thing. They are going to disappoint you. Probably the sooner the better. Um and uh, this is a situation where you are going to both of both sides of this. If you want to have a, a longstanding relationship, if you think that there's not going to be opportunities for you to work through conflict, to have to be, uh, forbear with each other and forgive each other and that kind of stuff, then you have um, you have a misplaced uh, expectation about what this is going to be. This is like any other relationship, a relationship between two people who are fallen and sinful. And so we're going to, if it's a long relationship, and if you deal with deep issues at all, you're going to have some situations where there's going to be need to be forbearance, there's going to need to be conflict, there's going to need to be forgiveness, all of those things. You're going to step on each other's toes, you're going to hurt feelings, all of those things are going to happen. The other thing I would say is, if you do have a situation where you just really, it just really didn't work out. Uh, somebody couldn't make time for you or they, you know, they, or, or worst case scenario, something came up in your life and they basically decided they wanted to reject you or something like that. The thing I would say is keep trying with somebody else. We're not all like that. Um, if somebody can't make time for you, that's a bummer and that, and that probably hurts. Um, but, uh, try somebody else. And then the last thing that I would say on this is um, one of the ways, one of the things that Matt asked, which I think is a really sharp part of this, is how do you deal with the emotions of, uh, you know, uh, of kind of bumping your head up against, you know, some difficulty in these relationships is one of the things I would say is 
it would be a really good thing, especially if you have some spiritual maturity, to change the channel off of the way it feels towards you and give away the thing that you're looking to get. Um, find if if uh, it, you know if you can find somebody who needs a listening ear and you can be and you can serve them and just listen to them, that's a good deal. If you can find somebody that needs some help and you're willing to show up and help them, that's a good deal deal too. And what I can tell you is uh, just and this is not because I am just clairvoyant, but it's because I've had experience. Is if you find your the shoes on the other foot. You're going to find there's going to be misunderstanding, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be uh, the same type of situations, because again, you're both sinners. Um, so get ready for this to not be roses and rainbows the whole time. Um, this, like any other relationship, is going to take relational maturity, getting through some normal stuff in, in human relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to get your uh, perspective, maybe from the other side. You've act, uh, probably at this point done a fair amount more mentoring than menteeing. Yeah. But you've also had, uh, and again, I think this goes exactly to what Lee is saying. This is not a failure of this system. Uh, you've had a number of people sit down with you and at the end of one or a couple conversations decide, I don't think this is something I'm ready for or something I'm all the way yeah. into. I think it's fair to say you've also had some people where you've had to inform them. <laughs> this is something they're not... Yeah, exactly. Ready for, but again, yeah. as, as Lee's pointing out, that it would be. I think it would be wrong to read that as rejection or right. um, some or just a failure of a system. As much as this is not the right fit. Yeah, but given right. all the emotions swirling around that, what what are the things that we can do to um, move on from that in a healthy way and start looking for the right fit? Right. Well, yes. I I think let's let's be honest. There's there's a lot of times when we ask for advice, when we kind of it's not that we're not ready for it, but there's only some things we're willing to do on yeah. that mm. problem or mm-hmm. whatever. And so that there's a tendency to not. I'm not necessarily saying here's my problem. Tell me what I want to hear, but it is sort of there needs to be something in this basic vein probably or something, you know, I get asked advice from pastors a lot and they tend to have an idea of where they think the answer generally is. And it puts me in the position a lot to either tell them, sure, that's sure, uh, which is a lie or chili cook off. That'll fix it. Yeah. Or to tell them what they don't want to hear, which is pastor. None of that's going to work. And, It's not that right an idea, and I don't know who had that idea, but if it's you, don't tell me, because that's a horrible, horrible idea. That part's the truth, but here's the thing, is if I tell them that, and that's usually what I tell them, then they have a way of being a little disappointed. Sure. Uh, So I've certainly disappointed a lot of people in mentoring relationships, Um, and as you point out, sometimes they need to hear that, and then they need to go away and be upset with themselves and with me and the situation and whatever, and they need to process it. And, and they maybe need to talk to somebody as you're suggesting, who's just kind of giving them sympathy and letting them talk it out. And that's good too. So there's no, I don't have, I don't resent any part of that. I, I didn't like telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah, expect yeah, yeah. you to like hearing it, you know? Well, and even if they, I would imagine that even if you have to give them that hard word, they go away. And if they figure it out, get to the right place, by understanding that I think Glenn was right about that, but I feel the best way forward is to talk to this other person uh-huh. 
and ride under them, again, that's not a failure oh, no, no. of this system. You don't yes. have to mentor everybody. That's correct. I would also say that um, that there is a, a certain amount of managed expectations and patience that you need to have. Yes. I mean, no pastor can be in two places at once. Uh, that's not to say you should have low expectations. We're consistent on this podcast of saying they should be high. But I think part of this, too, is discerning when the person you're asking the question, the advice from, doesn't know how to help you, but they don't want to say that. I mean, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've been in, t- in like a store where I'm saying, do you know where they have the so-and-so? And they will talk to me for five minutes when the answer is, I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean? And I said, do you know what the thing is? I think it's in the, uh, it's pro- let's go look. You, the answer is you don't know. Just tell me you don't know. I'll ask someone else. I'll ask somebody else and I can move on with my life. Um, there's only some people who are comfortable with saying mm-hmm. uh, Very quickly, I, I had a, a project I was working on in a mega church uh, in, in the suburbs, and it, it shall re- remain unnameless. Every time, literally every time I'm in the building, they would say, you know, Pastor so-and-so would really like to make this meeting, but he can't. He can't. I'm sorry, just he can't make the meeting. And it, it became so frequent that it was kind of uh, absurd and funny. And at some point, I literally told them, you know, I love all y'all. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care that he's here or not. <laughs> I don't care. I, you say it like I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm not. not. I don't not. care. I could not possibly care less. I don't know the man. Don't have any feelings or thoughts or opinions about him. I don't need him to be here. I'm not here to talk to him. I don't care. And, of course, their their sense of hero worship was a little uh, offended. offended by that. But bless them, they'll, they'll get over that. But what I'm saying is eventually what became obvious in the way they would talk about him and deal with him is it was clear he didn't know how to do any of the stuff that we were dealing with. So he was not being there as a way of uh, avoiding that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes you have to pick up, are our, our, our people kind of avoiding you because they don't know what to say or do with you? Uh, which, again, might be un- just be understanding about that and find somebody who does know it. And that would be my final point is, is this a person you respect? If you mm-hmm. If they've earned your respect and you respect them, then... Uh, certainly you're willing to be patient with them and give them a little bit of time. If they've earned your respect, even if they tell you something you don't like what they're saying, you go away and you think about it and you meditate on it. You give yourself a chance to say, if he says one thing and it sounds wrong to me, but he thinks it's right and he knows better than me, I need to be suspicious of my own viewpoint on on this and go to the Lord and, and, and wrestle with it a bit. So I think... Uh, a lot of people go to, as we were talking about in the last uh, uh, podcast, a lot of people go and receive, uh, seek mentoring from people they don't actually respect, which is, to me, <laughs> super weird, but it's, odd. It, it happens. Absolutely right. Joe, I'd love you to close this out by talking about that managing expectations piece. I think that's mm-hmm. key in a number of things. And again, I think it's a good idea for us to use this uh, question to kind of fill in some gaps in the mentoring stuff we talked about. So one is certainly the what are reasonable expectations for someone's availability, someone's mm-hmm. schedule, life getting in the way, because uh, I think we sometimes we can't overstate in the sense of you know not wanting you to go to a place where, as Glenn's pointing out, uh, megachurch pastor was never going to come to that meeting. Yeah. Right. He's never come to any of these meetings. That's why the staff is trained to go tell everyone, you know, he'd love to be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's He's just right. so busy yeah. being important. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's bad. Yeah. That's different than... 
somebody in the church got in a car wreck and he's at the hospital. So we got to yeah. scuttle lunch here. Yeah. I can't get with you for two weeks. So, but so what, how do we navigate the differences between those two things? And also what are the, uh, managing expectations for a mentoring relationship, particularly in the beginning, because mm-hmm. as Lee pointed out, this is like any other relationship. And that probably means it's going to start slower yeah. than it's going to pick up to. I think we, we may have a way of looking back on five, 10 years of mentoring and saying, this is what mentoring did for me. Yeah. But most of that did not happen in the first couple of years. Yeah, no, that's completely true. Those are great questions. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think if we want to navigate a mentoring relationship, we need to be clear that this is a relationship that is meant to accomplish certain things in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's important because actually for a lot of people in Christian culture, they don't think about their relationships that way. Yeah. This is not a super friendship. Exactly right. Uh, You know what? Let's take a moment to unpack that because that's so important. A mentor and a buddy are two different things. Yeah. Um, A mentor and a friend are two different things. A mentor and a super buddy are two different Mm. things. Um, someone can be a mentor to you without particularly liking you as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, not ideal, but possible, not ideal, but certainly possible. A potent example of this is that in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, if you're really doing that program, right, you have a thing called a sponsor. This is a person who's been sober longer than you that is familiar with maintaining sobriety in a way you're not. And they are there to assist you in uh, getting and maintaining your own sobriety. Mm -hmm. They are not meant to be your friend. Um, And in fact, a good sponsor will make that clear. I am not your friend. Right. It's not to say I don't like you. I love you. I I care about you. I care about your sobriety. I am here to help you be sober, period, the end. That's what this relationship is. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly, um, you have, if you're not familiar with 12-step stuff, your car mechanic, you have a relationship with him. The nature of that relationship is keep this car running properly. That's that's why we have this relationship. It's not because we just love talking about cars together. So... In your spiritual life, you have a mentor. Um, I Realistically, particularly as you get older, you can have a number of people that are in a mentoring role to you in different areas, right? You can have, Glenn was talking about mentoring in the context of professional ministry mentoring. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, pastors come to Glenn not so much for help me sort out my walk, but help me sort out my church. Right, right. Help me, help me sort out my preaching. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that pastor would have a separate person that they're going to saying, help me sort out my walk. Right. What am I, what am I not seeing here? And part of the reason why a, a mentor is not a super friend is a mentor needs to be to tell, needs to be able to tell you the straight unvarnished truth yeah. about whatever the thing is. Right. Um, and friendship really gets in the way of that, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, um, on the car mechanic thing, I, I have a great car, car mechanic. He's Walter. He is the best person in the world at that. Yes. Um, Don't any of you even think about crossing Walter or you will make an enemy of this podcast. No, no doubt. doubt. I was going through a period of my life where I had no money and a terrible automobile, and he had told me every time I took the car in for a year and a half, you need to have a general tune-up on this or it will stop working. It stopped working. I took it in. Um, he called me and says, it's fixed. I show up and say, what'd you do? I did the thing I told you every time for a year needed to be done, and it came back to life. Right. <laughs> that is the kind of honesty you need in a mentoring relationship, right. and that and that needs to be able to, to go both ways. So in order of setting expectations, you can't set expectations if you don't know what it is we're trying to achieve here, mm-hmm. if you don't know what it is we're trying to accomplish. It's no problem at all to go to someone and say, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just need someone who will listen to me. 
Mm-hmm. I just need a place that I can talk and be heard for a while. Are you okay with that? A good mentor will say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It can't stay there forever. Mm-hmm. We can start there. That's that's fine for a few weeks or a few months, maybe in a couple years. But sooner or later, we can discuss, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to make changes? Are we trying to, to look at things? Because part of the decision for a mentor, we may want to remind ourselves, nobody has infinite quantities of time. We've, we've, right. we've all got to make decisions. If you're telling me, I need someone to, I'm not looking to make any changes. I just want someone to talk to me and whatnot. That's fine. That might be a once a month kind of thing. Right. If you got yeah. someone, I'm ready to do whatever it takes to become sober. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's killing me and I got to make these changes. I, I'm ready to get after that. That might be an every other day thing, as is the case with a lot of, um, uh, sponsorship relationships in AA, but that sense of what we're trying to achieve really drives expectations. And the key on that, as it would be in any relationship, is clear communication. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one quick story, and uh, and we'll move on. Um, Glenn has been a mentor to me for a long time. I'm blessed beyond words that that's true. But one of the things he said to me uh, many years ago now is he sat me down and he said, I'm going to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. I hope it's in that's something right. small and not in something big, but I'm mm-hmm. a human being. Yep. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going Amen. to let you down. That's right. that's how life works. I don't want you to have my Christianity hinges on whether or not Glenn is perfect at all times, because <laughs> right. that is not going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but what Glenn has been clear on is, I want to help you grow in your own walk. Mm-hmm. I don't want to help you grow in thinking Glenn is neato. Right. I want to help you grow in your own walk, um, in, in with your intimacy with Christ. And that relationship has consistently done that, mm-hmm. um, even though as Lee started out, it was, it was two human beings. Of course, mm-hmm. there's you know there's issues and besides and so forth because it's two people on planet Earth. Right. Uh, but all that to say, uh, mentoring relationships when they're approached right are incredibly valuable. We want you to pursue those. We want you to be courageous about that and keep going at that. Absolutely right. The last thing I'll tack on to the end here is to go back to our uh, previous episode. came out last week. Um, the idea that a mentoring relationship will, how good or bad it is, will be based on how smooth everything goes on it. That is not great. No. When you're starting out on a new thing, yes. Ideally, you would want to have someone say, schedule's wide open. I can move some things around. Whatever you need, let's meet once a week for a month. Mm-hmm. Get this right up. That's that's ideal. That's great. If Again, life happens. And particularly, we know if you're... It's most of you are doing, and some of this is because there's some lines that are we could get into it, are mentoring discipleship exactly the same thing, or they kind of the same thing. Functionally, they're very much the same thing. And odds are, most of people listening to this podcast, the person you're going to want to mentor them if they're not in professional ministry, it's, it's we're talking about a discipleship relationship. Most people who do that are incredibly busy. Yeah, they are because they're a pastor or they're a ministry worker or they're an older person who. One of the, Ideally, the reason you want them to mentor you is because they have a full and vibrant life mm-hmm. and walk with the Lord that other stuff is happening. So that's great, but that, sometimes that leads to some difficulties in scheduling. Mm-hmm. They probably are doing that for a lot of other people, too, if they're good yeah. at it. Yeah, certainly odds are that this is going on. So um, again, one of the things I will point out as far as expectation management, um, it is unreasonable for you to expect to be someone else's top priority Mm-hmm. from Jump Street. It is it is somewhat unreasonable, and it's it's understandable, but unreasonable for someone who does this for, does this a lot or does it for a living to be as excited about it as you are, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is, you, you know, uh, me by far the least, but the other three guys listening have done a lot of mentoring. They like doing it. They're very good at it. They love seeing the results and the change that puts in people's lives. But th- that person who's doing that is never going to be exactly on the same emotional wavelength as the person who's getting their life sorted out, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just pointing out that's how it should be. Yeah. That that helps them do a better job. But so to sit down and say, 
I don't think this person's as into this as I am. That's that's the way. That's the point where the dating analogy falls down. Yeah. Because really, one of you is inherently going to be more into this than the other. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. But that's a necessity. And there are some moments where, again, I'll close it on this. Everything involves two people, as we're pointing out. There's going to be an emotional stew. That's fine. But it's good to just, as we talked about, you know, take a moment, you know, write it, write into us, email us. We'll, we'll double check the situation and say, is this emotion, is this emotional stew, or is this a problem? Yeah. And if the answer to that again, if the answer to that's not obvious, you can ask around. You can ask us. We're happy to do that for sure. And move on to our next, our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, "I'm a graduate student and don't make very much money. My friends who are in real jobs are making comfortable amounts of money and able to tithe and give generously to various missions, short-term trips, sponsoring children, etc. I, however, can barely pay my rent. This makes me feel awful, like I'm not doing what I should as a Christian." I don't have much time either because I'm so busy with school. And Glenn, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, you're totally right. Uh, you're a terrible Christian. Uh, if you have a question for us, say at podcast.gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're um, yeah, going to school. That's really not Christian. Barely paying your rent is definitely... Good Christians always can pay their rent Absolutely. a lot. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. The son of man has a luxury condominium on the penthouse suites. Right. So, you know, yeah, he was, uh, Glenn, he was. I fear you've entered the onion zone where <laughs> school bad, paying lots of money good. I feel <laughs> your satire may not be clear to everyone in okay. Christianity. I am being satirical. Uh, <laughs> Just in case you, you actually thought you accidentally bumped your, your dial and turned on Christian radio. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just wanted you to. Uh, Hear it out loud, and if it sounded silly when I said it, it is. Uh, it's it. It sounded silly when you said it to me. So that that was the thing. Um, uh, I get. I I believe. I I believe. I get what you're saying. I mean, I I think maybe a big part of this is uh, I'm I'm waiting to start my life here, and that yeah. kind of sucks. I mm-hmm. want to get going here. I put a lot of work into having a life, and I don't quite have it yet. Well, and there could also be some. A weird kind of positive jealousy here of it seems like my friends are having a lot of fun and yeah. getting a lot of fulfillment out of yeah. sponsoring kids and giving them mission yeah. trips and it's kind of a bummer that I can't do that. Sure, yeah, absolutely right, and I I think that's that's a good thing to want to be in on. Um, uh, also, just side note on on the giving generously to support uh, missions and stuff. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is. Uh, uh, you're you got some people on this podcast that raise money, and we know. Well, even uh, just to talk about tithing, just so you know, every church you know is going broke. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. yeah. If the people in their church gave ten percent of their income, they, they would have be. no monetary problems of any yeah. kind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There. The yeah. Uh, the idea that that people will give a tenth of their gross income. Is uh, there are people who do it? Absolutely, I, I and 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 we know them. We may know all of them, but that's they are you know. the huge exception. Yeah. Uh, so also, if they're telling you about their generous giving, then that <laughs> there's a whole thing in the Bible about that's that. right. So <laughs> let's get manage our, uh, our 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 disappointment at not being able to match them on their you know uh, good deeds, but. Let's let's approach this, uh, and I'll send it around to these other fellows, but approach it from a different angle, because I think, ultimately, it is about quality, not quantity. I mean, speaking right. as someone who would like to have a cash donation from you, eh, quantity is good. That's, sure, that's a lot. Sure, quantity. Yeah. 
Uh, but particularly if if you have a limited amount of time and uh, uh, talents uh, that, uh, and, and money that you can give, uh, then you're, you, it, it forces you to think a lot more creatively. And the thing is, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. I, I think there, people need to get more excited about what they're doing with giving. They need to think more inventively. I'll give you a very super quick example. I'm doing a ministry uh, with juveniles in this big facility, and I'm trying to meet uh, juvenile inmates from the north side of Chicago because I'm doing ministry there. And I had a whole setup going there, and I knew a lot of those gang members, and I, I'm looking to expand. But I have a whole facility full of guys. I don't know which ones are from the north side, so I have to figure out a way to find out who they are. And it's going to take me forever to figure this out. And then you got to get a relationship going with those guys. And then you got to, you know, it's a whole thing. Turns out being a white guy walking around to jail asking, where are you from? Yeah. He's just a little hairy. Yeah, this, this is going to take me a while. And uh, then you got to follow up with them on the outside and do the whole thing. Well, I'm telling all this to uh, one of the volunteers. Now, one of these volunteers, uh, bless her who's a, a, a lady volunteer. She's also a white lady volunteer. She's also a clueless white lady volunteer. And she was one of just but. very... But, but she was very sweet. Very, sure. very sweet. And uh, she loved the guys. You know, she had a heart for the guys. And also, bless her, no ministry skills of any kind whatsoever. Sure. So she, she hears my story. She goes to the deck, the, 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 the unit where the guys are, and she says, uh, is anybody here from the north side? And they say, yeah. And they, she gathers those guys together, and she says, there's a guy. I'm going to introduce you to a guy, but you have to be serious. If you're not serious, I'm not going to bother introducing to him to you. But if you're serious, this is the guy. And they said, well, yeah, we're serious. Let's do it. And then she went from unit to unit to unit. And she came to me and said, I have a list of guys from the north side. I have never been so happy in yeah. my whole life. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And she said, "Was this, this is helping you? Is this good? And should I, do? I said, this you have changed my life right now. From then on, all she ever did was figure out who's from the north side. Are you serious? Put the name on the list. Yep. That's all she did. Nice. When when I went there, the only thing I did was take my list from her, and those are the only guys I'm talking to. Yes. If she put a name on the list, I'm doing her list. I'm not doing anybody else in this whole facility. That transformed the ministry effectiveness I had times a million. Now she's not able to go see him. Uh, on the streets the way I was because she didn't have the time. This is just a part-time mm-hmm. volunteer. But, you know, just changing the strategy, it, she created way more ministry than she ever could even on her own under any circumstances. So I think that creative thinking like that can unlock a huge amount of potential. I think that's an excellent point. That's a really interesting story because the other point on that that jumps out to me is you're talking about she has no ministry skills, right. no ministry acumen. Right. However, um, going and presenting it in that way is weirdly the exact right thing to do with Northside gangbangers. Exactly yeah. right. Say, where yes. are you from? Are you serious? Yeah. Anywhere else in the world, you go to white church say, who's serious? Everybody stares at you. You go <laughs> right, to a, right. a deck full of gangbangers say, who's serious? I'm not <laughs> right. playing you're not serious. <laughs> right. All right, this is it. Yeah. 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 But it's that thing, the thing she had the least of yeah. somehow was what was needed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mustard seeded out. No, no question. And by the time I'm talking to them, they were like, they were serious. Yeah. They they, they yeah. felt like they were honored that mm-hmm. someone would. You made the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made the cut. This, I mean, he couldn't have been any yeah. better. In a weird way, she didn't have. In, she had like 
you know, a gram of ministry acumen, yeah. but she used it all <laughs> yeah, right. in That's the right, right place. I think maybe yeah. what's playing with our friend's uh-huh. head a little bit to a lot of people is this idea of, well, I don't have much money, so money can't do any good. Right. right, right Which yeah. is not true. Uh, right. I'm feeling we may talk about the, 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 uh, the widow's donation here as this rolls along, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, if you can only give $5 to somebody... Uh, $5 is $5 more than they had. Yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly right. That's right. That's the thing. Um, I I will uh, kick this around to, to Lee on this because there's this idea of I don't have much, so what little I have is I'm just going to spend the time thinking about how much more fun it would be if I had given other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. If, I can do, if I can only go an hour a month because I'm so slammed with other stuff, that's basically just going to be a bummer because mm-hmm. I want to go an hour a week. But Lee, are we are we losing the joy that's supposed mm-hmm. to come with this when we're mm-hmm. only focusing on what we can't do? Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of people have the mistaken uh, impression that my giving only counts um, if I have so much money that I can give some amount that's really going to turn stuff loose for you know some mission or some group or some organization. And the truth is that there's this whole other aspect to giving, which is not, I mean, if you give money to, you know, like everybody on this podcast survives on the sacrificial giving of believers in Jesus. That's, that's true of all of us. So if you give to the place that writes our checks, that is, you're going to help us. You're going to free us up. You're going to free up our time to be able to do ministry. We're going to have resources to be able to help people make changes and get to the next place, get closer to the Lord. That's going to be awesome. But you giving to the work of God, even though it is about helping the work of God advance, that's not the only thing it's designed to do. It's also designed to give you a huge amount of joy. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big things that we're missing here is that, that we are navigating, um, you're navigating your, your giving situation based on um, the shame of comparing your small resources to your friend's large resources. Um, And looking at your situation through the lens of shame, you're never going to have any joy. And so what we've got to do is we've got to figure out how do I kill joy or how do I kill shame and increase joy? That's what we want to do because, and, and we know that this is important because the apostle Paul said that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That's what he wants. He didn't actually say in any of these chapters about giving in 1 Corinthians, for instance, he didn't say uh, anything about percentage. He didn't say anything about any kind of dollar amounts or anything like that. The thing that he said is that a person should give what they've decided in their own heart before the Lord to give, and that God loves when people give and they're cheerful about it. They have joy about giving. They're happy about what they're doing. So, my suggestion would be this, um, and it's not going to be an easy thing, and it's going to be one of those things that, that you're going to have to do, and then you're going to have to do it again, and you're going to have to do it again and again and again and again. And that is, anytime you have the comparison piece in your mind where you're comparing your life, your funds, your giving to anyone else's, drag that out into the cold light of day and murder it yes. mercilessly. Yes. Strangle it until it is dead and then stand on its dead face, like kill it. Anytime you have comparison, don't play with it, don't pet it, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't mess with it at all. 
Don't nourish it. Don't feed it. Don't ask it questions. Don't analyze it. With comparison, you drag it out of the house and you curb stomp it until it is dead. That's what you do with comparison. It will steal from you. It will never navigate you into the right way. Don't compare your funds to anybody else's, your life to anybody else's, your giving to anybody else's. We need to figure out how to do that one step at a time, one day at a time. Every time you feel that comparison and all the uh, shame emotions that are associated with it, take it outside and murder it and ask for God's help. He'd love to help you do that. Then two, ask yourself this. What do I know about that's happening in the kingdom of God that I think is the freaking coolest thing I've ever heard of? And then take what little tiny thing you have, like Matt said, if it's five bucks, if it's three bucks, give it. And guess what happens? If you don't have comparison and you give something tiny that you have to something that you're super excited about that Jesus is doing in the world, all of a sudden, bam, you got joy in giving. And that's what God loves. Absolutely. We need to get rid of shame, and we need to go towards joy. That's a fantastic point. The old, the old uh, aphorism that the comparison is the thief of joy is is an old, an old saying that has survived a long time for a reason. It's yep. it's entirely true. Jed, I'd love to get you to close out on this. There's one uh, particular aspect of this question that differentiates it from other questions we've gotten very much on this. We've got a lot of questions from young, most from young folks saying, "I don't have any money." Yeah. Um, People need money. What do I do? And the answer to that is often, you know, as as Glenn would put it, a time, talent, and treasure. Yeah. You know, if you if you can't give money so they can hire someone to run the children's ministry, go um, watch the children yourself while people yeah. do the ministry. Right. That's a great thing. Now, this person mentions, and uh, grad school will definitely do that, that I'm kind of in this weird situation where I don't have any money or any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think most of the folks we deal with, even in our ministry, there's a lot of people out there who either the church doesn't know what to do with them, they haven't found their thing, and they come to us, and they're just on fire for this now, and they want to be around all the time, and that's great. But this seems... this I think our friend here is in an atypical situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of not really having time, money, or probably energy. Sure. I haven't done both. But in the sense of that kind of um, do what you can with what you have, but also at different periods in your life, that's going to be a different level of resource. Yep. So how do, how do we work through that and reconcile that so that we don't get down ourselves as we move into the next phase? Great question. One of the things that uh, gets talked about oddly very little around churches, but it's super true and it really relates to the question you've written into us, and I appreciate your writing, I really do, is the idea that life goes in seasons uh, and that in different seasons, we are able to do and not do different things, and that's okay. I'll explain yeah. what I mean. Say you, you, you finish grad school, and you get married, and you, you're a young married couple. There are things that you're able to do in that season that you super will not be able to do when you start having kids. That's right. right. But there's things you can do as a young married couple with kids that wouldn't have really made sense as a young married couple. It's, mm-hmm. it's not so much that one is better and one is worse. They're just different. They're just Mm -hmm. different. If we look just at your employment situation, uh, the average right now, just looking this up, the average longevity in a job in the U.S. is about four years. Um, Interestingly, the average longevity in a ministry job is about two. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that's right. But no matter what job you have, whether it's good or bad or in between, uh, there are trade-offs to it. You know, this job pays a bunch of money, but it's a super long commute, so I don't have a lot of time. You know, this job is a bit of a pay cut, but it's right next door and it's really easy. You know, this job, the boss is super demanding. This job, the boss isn't. And so the thing that comes before us is not, am I giving enough? Am I doing enough? Because 
Um, that is inherently, there's a comparison piece to it, and Lee is right. We don't want to go that route. The question is, what is God calling me to do in this season? What is the thing that he's looking for me to do in the season that I'm in today? We'll deal with the season I'm in next year, next year. But what's, what makes sense? And what am, I, what am I able to do in the season that I'm in today? Here's the odd thing. Glenn and I were just down at the county jail earlier today. And there's, there is nowhere worse on earth to be than locked up in Cook County Jail. Right. Uh, you've, you've, you've maxed it out. It's all the way awful. And I, I can say to you what I have to very gingerly communicate to the men behind these bars. Even there, there's something you have you won't have other places. Yeah. For example, time. Right. You have all the time in the world. You can devote that into getting your GED, your high school equivalency. You can devote that into um, studying the Bible. You can devote that into um, you know learning to uh, a lot of prisoners. The average reading level is about third grade. You can you know use that time to develop your reading skills. There's a lot of ways you can use that time that's very productive. When you get out and you are working a job and you're paying rent and whatnot, you won't believe how little time you have compared to where you are right now. Right. That doesn't mean that jail is great. It's like, yay, jail! Right. That that would be insane. You should be thankful for the time you have here. Be so thankful <laughs> no. for your jail experience. <clears throat> but it does mean there's a thing you can do in this season that you will not be able to do in other seasons. Right. right. That gets and to Lee's point of finding the joy. That's finding the joy. That's mm. the thing. I know it sounds weird. There are things you can do as a graduate student you will not be able to do in the next season. Right. Um, and that's both things for fun and also things to serve other people. And mm. this is something to pray about. This is something to talk to a mentor about and a pastor about and find those things in every season there are things you can do that you won't be able to do in other seasons and there are things you can't do that you used to be able to do that's that's always true the thing that god's looking for is for uh your heart to be in the right place uh that's the point of the story of the widow's might is that god looks at the heart not at the amount Right. Um, uh, God may be asking you to give a very little bit of your time even though you feel like you have none because there's a thing he wants you to learn out of that the point is the heart not right. not the magnitude of the gift. Same same thing with mm-hmm. the with the money. But let that be an interactive thing where you work through that with the Lord. You know, get some good wisdom from other people from the Bible, but work through that with the Lord. Let him show you the things that, that he has for you in this season and deal with the next season when it comes. Absolutely right. One final point I'll tack onto this is um when we have a resource that is relatively scarce, but we have a little bit of it, uh a lot of times the temptation is to be greedy with that. Yeah. And uh, the point of money, that makes a certain amount of sense. Now there's a certain self-defense mechanism to that because if you uh, are $20 uh, short on rent because you gave $20 away, it's not really not greedy as much as it is just bad planning. But yeah. people definitely do that with their time. Yeah. Nobody is more stingy mm-hmm. with their time than someone who feels like they don't have a lot of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that can get in the way of what Glenn started us off with, with creativity. Mm-hmm. There's some times you're going to be a place anyway. Church is a good example. So there's probably a children's program or a nursery program or something during the service part of the service at your church. They probably need volunteers because people don't like missing the service. Right. Great place to volunteer because you're going to be in this building anyway. Mm-hmm. Good call. If it's once a month or a rotation or whatever. But the thing that will stop you from that is saying, well, I have so little time to work on my walk. I don't want to miss the sermon. I want, to, I want that time for me. That's, that's, going to be a, that's going to be a problem here. You want to, we, self-care is very good. We want that. But if you say, well, they put the sermon up on podcast, they pipe it in, or yeah. I can read a book, or I can listen to Bridge or something. Yeah. And here I can be of service. I can feel good about that. There are people who wouldn't get to who would wouldn't get to do this anyway. Who get to go work on their thing, and I am sacrificing that because I can't mm-hmm. give sacrificially. 
there are some ways you can do that. And again, church is a very good place to look for that because there is an an asset of, I'm going to be in this building for X amount of time. Anyway, look for a way to help out. And I think you'll find a bunch of little things like that. I imagine there's, Mm -hmm. if you only have an hour, but you can't drive anywhere, there's probably something on campus, all that. But if you get in that mode of not trying to hoard the, what little resources you have and, and instead look to spend it uh, wisely, efficiently, and joyfully, then you're, I think you're going to find a lot more horizons open to you than you think there might Man. be. All right. Thank you Good so much word. for your questions. If you have questions for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Check out the song this week. Um, we kind of we started off with a, a, our first question. It's actually come on the other with a fair amount of uh, Prodigal Son analogies. This is a song Lee wrote about Prodigal Son that we like a lot. It's called Child of Wandering Will. Stay out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, nonstop, nonprofit, pimple popping for Jesus. <laughs> I want to celebrate. Well, can't you hear my heart? To pull you from the way. Come back home.